With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to episode number 47 of Thyroid Nation Radio Live talk show and podcast. I'm Tiffany Maladnich of GratefulGarden.biz. And I'm Melissa Phipps of Exposing Silver, filling in for Thyroid Nation founder Dana Dana, excuse me, Bowman, who is off enjoying a much-needed vacation alone with her hubby this weekend. I know. How cool is that, right? So, Dana and Travis, we hope you're having an awesome time. We miss you very, very much, but we hope that you are enjoying your time alone together. I know, right? (laughs) Okay, so today we are talking with functional endocrinologist and doctor of physical therapy, Dr. Tim Jackson. Dr. Tim is an expert in nutritional biochemistry and digestive health. Oh, my gosh, that's so important. And is founder of HealYourBody.org. We are so incredibly excited to talk to him. But first, we wanted to mention a few things. If you tuned in last week, which we hope you did, you heard us chatting with a fabulous and lovely author of Couture Living Coach, Esther Plum. If you missed it, you can catch it on Thyroid Nation Radio's archives, as well as other fabulous guests that we've had the privilege of interviewing, like Dr. Holtoff, Hypothyroid Mom, Mary Shulman, Susie Cohen, and Isabella Wentz. Make sure to also check out the lineup of wonderful and innovative guests we have coming up, which we have to thank uh, Dana for because she works so very hard at getting some of the most amazing guests on the show. So you can check out the lineup on Thyroid Nation radio page, including future guests like medical medium, author Anthony Williams, Dr. Trevor Cates, Dr. Lisa Maturo, Dr. Aviva Ram, who's a wonderful mix of holistic and conventional medical information. So... Very cool, wow, Melissa. It looks, I know, right? And we can thank her for that because she's just she is amazing at doing that. Um, and he is with us. So, Dr. Tim is with us. Let's get this thyroid nation thriving, Melissa. Good morning, Dr. Tim. How are you? Hey, well, it's afternoon here. It's three p.m. How are you guys doing? We're good. Awesome. Doing good. So, where is here? Where are you calling from? I'm in South Carolina. I'm about an hour outside of Charleston. So we have pretty good weather. It's about 55 or 60 today. Oh, very this, this cool. This week, actually, for the East Coast, is going to be gorgeous. I'm in Virginia, just a couple hundred miles north of you, melting from our blizzard. <laughs> yeah, I, I came from North Carolina. I went to undergrad at Wake Forest, so, and then I lived in Huntersville and Charlotte for a while. Oh, yeah. Wonderful and for areas. those that don't know, I'm calling from Joshua Tree, and we're having massive flash flooding right now, so it's raining like crazy. Dr. Tim, I've got a great picture of my daughter, who's now 12, when she was probably about maybe five. We had gone to visit some family uh, in North Carolina, and we went across the border into South Carolina to a huge strawberry picking field. And so I have Mm -hmm. this picture of her with strawberry all over her face, all over her dress, (laughs) and this massive basket of strawberries. So that's that's how I picture South Carolina. And that's what we cool do in South. We eat. If you're bored, you eat. If you're tired, you eat. If you have energy, you're you, sick, eat. you eat. If you're sick, you eat. 
That's probably why I we're at it. the very bottom in terms of health care. <laughs> yeah. Well, it can't be that bottom because you're there. So, I'm there, right. but, you know, it, it's tough being a one-man show. I stick out like a sore thumb, so I'm <laughs> contemplating a move out west to California or Arizona where they're more like-minded people because you try to talk to people around here about fish oil or, you know, oxidative stress, and they look at you like you have three heads. Uh, we they want to out of your back. <laughs> they want to yeah. go discuss it over over some whiskey and biscuits and gravy. Right, <laughs> right. exactly. <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, tell us a little bit. You have quite the journey. I can um, kind of relate. Just anything that's super important is very important, it seems to you. So, tell us a little bit about Dr. Tim's journey. How did you how did you land in all this health stuff? Yes, I went to uh, undergrad at Wake Forest University in North Carolina, which is, you know, a a very rigorous academic institution, and I was pre-med. I took all the organic chemistry, biochemistry, cell molecular biology, physics classes, and I did very well academically, and I volunteered, uh, I think, four or five different semesters at the Wake Forest Medical School because they have a, a, you know, program where undergraduates can come over and work at the hospital. And all the MDs that I talked to at the medical school, they said, you know, we know you're intelligent enough to go, you know, here for regular medical school, but I don't think you'll get the information that you want because once I got to college, you know, right outside of my dorm was literally a gym, so I no longer had an excuse not to go to the gym. So I got into, you know, weightlifting. I went from 129 pounds to 186 pounds. And, um, you know, consequently after that, I, you know, got, you, you kind of basically have to get into nutrition if you're into working out. And so, you know, I was your typical, still am to some degree, um, type A, overachiever, um, workaholic. And, you know, during my um, junior and senior years at, at Wake Forest, I was a TA, um, a tutor, um, a tour guide. Uh, a couple other, an RA, a resident advisor, and a few other things on top of a full course load, you know, full pre-med course load. Um, and I was just burning the candle at both ends. I didn't really know what it was like to listen to your body. You know, my body was talking to me the whole time. The problem was I wasn't listening. And then I got mono uh, the summer before my senior year oh, wow. at Wake Forest. And uh, you know, my parents were like, no, you're fine. You don't need to go get tested. But I'm like, no, I feel like something's off. So I went to my primary care doctor, my family doctor, who's a friend of ours, and he did the test. He said, yep, you, you have it. How did you know? And I said, well, I just felt really run down. And I'm, I said, you know, normally I'm pretty high energy and uh, I'm in pretty good shape. I go to the gym about five days a week. Um, you know, I try to get eight or nine hours of sleep and go to bed on time. And so, you know, he recommended that I basically take a semester off from school. But, I, you know, being the knucklehead that I am, I didn't do that. And I continued with the hard course load. The only thing I did cut back on was, um, you know, over-exercising or training too much. But during the Christmas break between my fall and spring semester of my senior year, I had uh, orthognathic jaw surgery. So I was oh. what you call maxillary deficient. So... Um, my upper jaw was kind of retruded, and my lower jaw was protruded. So uh, they broke my mandible, my lower jaw, and added oh yeah, and added <laughs> bone to my um, maxilla, my upper jaw, and um, it was over, it was right at eight, between eight and eight and a half hours 
that I was in surgery under anesthesia. Oh, and, my. And uh, they put 20, I think 24 or 26 titanium screws and six titanium plates in my jaw. And, oh you know, since that time, I can't, I can't I, even I, imagine. Yeah, I know. It's a very, oh. very barbaric surgery. And, you know, they try to kind of, you know, at that time, I was in the traditional allopathic mindset. So I was like, oh, well, if the surgeon says it, then, you know, it has to be true. And, um, you know, I just basically didn't recover from that surgery when I woke up. You know, I was in a ton of pain. Uh, I wasn't healing. And they basically tried to, you know, put it on me like, oh, well, we don't have any other patients, you know, that react like this. But, you know, I told the surgeon that I had mono, and who operates on someone with mono? You know, that's, right. I mean, now it makes perfect right. sense. But um, the other oral surgeons I've consulted with since then said that surgery should have never gone over three or three and a half hours. But wow. that surgeon is still practicing, and he actually teaches at the <laughs> medical school where I went. But to make a long story short, so that kind of, you know, uh, one of the doctors I trained with, Dr. Kendall Stewart, you know, he talks about this vortex of different stressors that can throw us down the vortex, and then we kind of have to throw these therapeutic ropes down the vortex to pull you out. And so that stressor, that surgical stressor, was for me the straw that broke the proverbial camel's back. And, you know, so you guys know this, and I'm sure your listeners know it, and I see it in my patients and clients, but typically the stressor right just prior to your symptoms developing is the stressor you tend to focus on, but there's many, many layers underneath that that were contributing and building up before that. Mm, and that is so, so yeah, so true. I, I returned to Wake Forest for my spring semester and, you know, still got good grades, but I just could not function throughout the day. Like, I was constantly tired, um, I was constipated, you know, skin rashes around my nose that only developed after the jaw surgery. And so when I graduated, you know, I had planned on going to regular medical school, and um, I just couldn't study, couldn't focus enough to take the MCAT. Um, I had several schools tell, tell me, you know, your grades are awesome, you'll get in, you just, just take the MCAT. But, um, mm. you know, I, I couldn't function well enough. And so when I graduated, I moved in with some guys that uh, I'd lived with in the dorms, and uh, they knew something was off with me because I was the gym goer, you know, high energy guy, and I was just like a different person. And back then, you know, we didn't even have the terms integrative and functional medicine. Right. So, um, you know, I went around to a bunch of different doctors, and they basically all told me, you know, I had psychiatric issues, I did antidepressants, I was bipolar, mm-hmm. all yeah, these, uh, yeah, all these yeah. ridiculous <laughs> things because. The default mode for allopathic medicine is, if we don't know the answer, it's psychosomatic. And, you know, there's the term idiopathic in medicine, and what that really means is the idiot can't find the pathology. (laughs) The pathology is there, but the dumbass, I don't know if I I can curse on this show, but the dumbass (laughs) who can't find the pathology, it's his problem. Uh, And that really gets under my skin because I've gotten referrals for patients before. I had a a referral for a single, I know I'm getting a little off topic, but I had a referral for a single. No, nothing is off topic on this show. Just so you Uh, know, nothing is off topic. This is Okay, well, we'll get to aliens next. Um, There you go. (laughs) But you are saying, I'm curious. I I want to know. Right. Yeah, I got a referral for this single mom. I think she had two kids of her own, she worked two jobs. And she had adopted another child from oh. a parent who wasn't really able to care. And the, on the referral sheet, it said the diagnosis code was psychosomatic disorder. 
This lady had been working two jobs for 10 years or more, had two kids of her own that she kept and did a great job parenting, and she had adopted a kid. And so, you know, this traditional allopath just said, oh, I guess one day she woke up and decided that she was going to fake this illness. And she had, uh, you know, complete loss of control over half of her body. And a lot of times that that can be um, a sign of Lyme disease or mold exposure. So, you know, I was in Alabama at the time, and I finally located a a functional medicine MD from Harvard who kind of practiced under the radar there, and I sent her to him. Um, And, you know, I never did get to follow up, but, you know, I'm sure only good things came of it. But uh, for me, you know, I kind of spent between undergrad and my doctorate program about two and a half to three years just kind of wandering around. I mean, I, I still exercised, but I wasn't as efficient as I was before. I was still intelligent, but my brain wasn't as sharp as it was before. Right. You know, everything just wasn't as effective as it was before. And so I finally ran into, actually through the Yellow Pages, a medical doctor who, um, on, under his advertisement, you know, mentioned vitamins and minerals. So I was like, maybe this guy knows something that I haven't found out. Um, because I had gone to, to psychiatrists, endocrinologists, rheumatologists, allergists, you name it. So I went to see this doctor, and he's like, well, you know, with all the antibiotics you've been on, you definitely have candida, heavy metals, and a couple viruses that were elevated. So, you know, he put me on an antifungal regimen, and at that time uh, you could get something called IV dioxychlor, which is a a really good and safe uh, antimicrobial, but our good old FDA has now outlawed it. But um, needless to say, I had a huge candida problem, and once getting uh, getting rid of most of that, you know, my brain cleared up, my energy got better, my sleep got better, and so then, you know, that just piqued my interest. And there weren't any, you know, Facebook functional medicine groups back then, so I spent time going to the library, the bookstore, PubMed, reading research. It wasn't as spoon-fed as it is today, like, you know, mm-hmm. kind of like what we're doing on the podcast. But, um, you know, I, I kept improving doing the anti-candida stuff, but I knew that there were other things underlying that. So I just continued studying functional medicine, and I would go to my doctorate program classes and have my laptop open, so they thought I was paying attention, but I was really reading functional medicine stuff. And, um, you know, I uncovered some hormonal imbalances and toxicity issues, uh, several gut infections, And so it just kind of, you know, continually progressed from there. And that's what I emphasize to my patients and clients. You know, I get a lot of people that are very freaked out because they think they have, you know, 24 or 30-something different problems, and it's really just a handful of problems that are manifesting in several ways. And, you know, traditional medicine has kind of ingrained in people's mind that, uh, you know, if you have A, you have a call that causes B, and then you just take C, like an antibiotic, to get rid of it. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. as you guys know, or as you ladies know, um, in the functional medicine model, you know, our matrix, we have about tw- 10 to 12 circles, and there's lines going all over the place, connecting all those circles, because they all interact. And so, you know, if you tinker with one, you're either going to directly or indirectly um, affect another system in the body. So I graduated with my doctorate, and I joined a sports medicine practice in Charlotte, North Carolina. We worked with some pro athletes, college athletes, 
and some just everyday um, people with low back pain, orthopedic issues. And uh, basically, the guy that owned the clinic kind of had an unwritten agreement with the surgeon that we would essentially babysit the patients until he could get them into surgery. And I didn't feel ethically that that was right, because if you look at the studies, uh, conservative low back care or care for low back pain um, two to five years out uh, gives you the same or better results than surgery on the low back. So, you know, this guy, wow. you know, the average back surgery is 50 thousand dollars so this guy is mm-hmm. cashing in like crazy. And, I, you know, I don't have that filter between my brain and my mouth, so I called this guy out on it. I was like, I think what you're doing is unethical, and he was also billing uh, insurance um, for uh-huh. patients' care when a personal trainer was doing it, which is a big no-no. It's insurance fraud. Oh, wow. And so, yeah, so I got out of there, but I, at the same time, I learned a lot. You know, I, I still counseled my patients and clients on, you know, the basics, fish oil, vitamin D. And, and one comment, a lot of musculoskeletal problems are the results of, you know, internal inflammation or pathogens, um, you know, latent um, or reactivated infections. And right. so, and even subclinical thyroid can create yes, quite a exactly. bit of, of That's, bone Exactly. That pain. was my next Absolutely. example. Yeah, so frozen shoulder, you know, our shoulders have a capsule that surrounds it that keeps the, you know, humerus in the socket with the the clavicle and the sternum. Um, And if someone has frozen shoulder, typically they go to physical therapy usually three times a week for two to three months. And I thought, that's ridiculous. There has to be something else to it. So, you know, I did my research, and sure enough, subclinical hypothyroidism almost always uh, mm-hmm. Or if, if someone has frozen shoulder, they almost always have at least subclinical hypothyroidism. Right, or anemia. Now, what is That's frozen shoulder? What's that? What's frozen shoulder? It's yeah. when that capsule around the joint tightens up so much that you can literally, your arm is down by your side, and you can't move your shoulder out or in or up or down, but just a few degrees. And so is progress. Is that caused by like inflammation in that joint? Is no, that what is caused by is. Issue? Yeah, the thyroid, since the thyroid affects basically every cell in the body, you know, particularly musculoskeletal tissues, um, it affects the the cartilage and the joint capsule. And so that joint um, capsule tightens down, and it completely impairs your ability to move that shoulder, and it's very, very painful. It typically, I mean, you can have it at any age, but it typically happens in people 40 or older. But progress, okay. if you just do regular physical th- and manual therapy, is very, very slow. So I knew there had to be something else to it, and that's when I did mm-hmm. the research, um, you, you know, and came up with the subclinical hypothyroidism. But uh, I left that practice because of the unethical things that were going on, and you know, my frustration was building. And I worked at Health South for a year, and boy, was that an experience because. Uh, let's just say they're not really interested in your skill set or knowledge. They're more interested in playing politics. So right. I what stayed. Do, right. Yeah, I'm exactly. Follow within the, the lines, yeah. Exactly, and, and so I stayed there just over a year, and then I did traveling healthcare for about eight, seven to eight months, and I finally got contacted by a nurse practitioner from North Carolina, who said, you know, I've seen your posts, I've seen some of your writings, um, I'd like you to come work with me. And so I moved to North Carolina. You know, it wasn't far from where I went to undergrad. And the first day there, she hands me the prescription pad and says, I have a dental appointment. Write for whatever you need. So that was a huge red flag to me. 
And she would not show up for work, so I would get stuck with her patients and mine. She would do things that were very, very illegal, and I did not want my name associated with it. Ironically, you know, she would later accuse me of doing the things that she did. So we basically agreed to part ways, but while I was working there, I had met uh, a girl and two of her – two of the people that she went to church with, they were starting – what's called or what was called the Neurosensory Center of Charlotte. So the Neurosensory Centers of America are based out of Austin, Texas. That's Dr. Kendall Stewart who founded them. And they treat, Dr. Stewart is what we call a neurotologist, um, meaning he's a skull-based surgeon and an ENT. And uh, he kind of got into uh, biochemistry and functional medicine kind of by accident, but Uh, He works with a ton of kids with autism, people with Parkinson's, because all of these things that what the average person on the street calls an autoimmune disease is really referred to as a neuroimmune disease, which simply means it's a disorder that affects both the nervous system and the immune system. So if you look at people with rheumatoid arthritis, which, you know, allopaths classify as autoimmune, it's really neuroimmune because the brain is affected, cognition is affected, uh, and that's why people with fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue have such brain fog because it's a neuroimmune illness. It's not an autoimmune mm. illness. And so um, what I did is, is this guy wanted to open up the neurosensory center in Charlotte. So I went out twice to Texas, Austin, Texas, trained with Dr. Stewart and uh, learned from him, um, you know, about methylation, epigenetics and uh, stealth pathogens like viruses, which we're going to get into more here in a minute. And uh, then Dr. Stewart came out to Charlotte once. And myself and an integrative, uh, somewhat naturopathic pediatrician ran the clinic. Um, But unfortunately, we were having to do the clinical part and the business part because the owner wasn't very good and really never came to work. Um, (laughs) So after about a year of that, I left. You know, He would never pay us on time, stuff like that. But I had gotten on a few podcasts during that year, and so emails started coming in. You know, I didn't realize there were so many parents desperate for, you know, help for their children out there. So I formed my LLC and started doing, you know, virtual consultations and then, you know, started growing my Facebook page and then website, and I've written a ton. I've been on, you know, a bunch of different podcasts, Bulletproof Executive, and you know, trying to get my name out there and, and letting people know what I do. It's a little bit hard to describe exactly what I do because, Oh, you know, boy, people, don't I know that. <laughs> yeah, people always want to know, well, what's your specialty? And I they say, want to define you. I'm like, I'm yeah. undefinable. I'm sorry. Yeah, you, exactly. They want a label just like with a diagnosis. Can't say, do it. Yeah, you really can't give me uh, or I really don't have a specialty because you have to know it all. You know, if you're looking for a field where you're going to graduate or leave a certification and not study is, anymore, and yep. this is not the place for you. I agree. Now it's constantly. And so that's kind of how I got there. Um, and then, you know, I've just continued trying to grow my online presence. Um, I have clients, I think, in all 50 states, if not all 50, at least 48. Um, <laughs> right. And I think 12 to 14 different foreign countries. I have five to six medical doctors who are clients of mine, a few nurse practitioners, um, a PA, a few natural... You're a niche, no, you're a niche practitioner. 
Dr. Chen. Yeah, you exactly. Are I tend to get the sickest of the sick. That's right. It's yeah. like an infectious disease specialist. You know, I'm one of those. My my brain is one of those where I'm going to immerse the one in the ones that no one can figure out. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like just leave me alone, shut the door, just put all the information here, uh-huh. <laughs> and leave me alone. It's like I just dive right. in, and, and the rest of the world just disappears. It's a good thing and a bad thing. It's it's a mixed quality. So yeah. I have a couple of. Really, I want to take you back real quick, and then I want yeah. to jump into the gut because you made a, a perfect opportunity for us to do this. But really, really, really quick, in the midst of all that, did you ever get diagnosed with a thyroid, or is there any genetic propensity, uh, anything like that in your side of the family? Or was it a subclinical really just, oh, my God, no. I feel like I'm dying, and yet no one can put their finger on it? Because I think that's really important for our listeners to know that I you can feel like have. you're dying. Yeah, I definitely had, looking back, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. I definitely had a lot of subclinical hypothyroid symptoms. Um, but, again, you know, the endocrinologist that I went to was a traditional one, and he didn't even believe in adrenal fatigue. He said that, oh, oh you, yeah, he said you can have Addison's where, you know, you have complete adrenal failure, or you can have Cushing's where you have um, excess right. cortisol production, but there's nothing in between there. Because I came into or yeah, nothing. I yeah. came into his office. That way thing too. ever you guys yeah. between that, that between adrenal fatigue and yeast problems, you can define so many health issues. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! Just, oh yeah! Just start there. And I, <laughs> and I went into this guy's office with a copy of the book "Tired of Being Tired." And oh, he got really upset when he saw that. He was like, oh, that person, you know, they don't know what they're talking about. They're just trying to make money. Um, but, yeah, I mean, with the, the subclinical hypothyroidism, I definitely had tons of symptoms. And I don't even I think that it. anyone – I don't think any, – yeah. yeah, I don't think anyone checked. They definitely didn't do a full thyroid panel, which we'll cover, but they may have done a TSH. But, again, you know, as you – guys know and your listeners know and Dana knows, you know, the ranges that they use for lab tests include sick people. Horrible. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's horrible. So if you, yeah, if you compare the ranges today to the ones from 1975 or 1980-something, they're very different as the population has gotten continuously sicker. And right. so that's why people, well, that's one of the million reasons that people are so frustrated with allopathic doctors, because you can be normal and optimal are very different. Normal is Homer Simpson. You don't Absolutely. want to be Homer Simpson. Say that again. Dr. Tim, say that for the listeners. That is so Normal important. and optimal are very different things. So you can Amen. be normal, meaning that your <laughs> lab values are within the range, of but everyone you, else. May, you may not be optimal. And right. so uh, optimal, you know, it depends which marker we're talking about. And right. the ranges vary, you know, somewhat from lab to lab. But, right. for example, free T3, you know, your most active thyroid hormone, I tell people I want theirs to be in the top 20%, whatever the range is. I don't really care about the range. I want it to be in the top 20% of that range. So we have to really distinguish between normal and optimal because if we waited for all of your lab values to be out of range and flagged as low or high, you'd probably be in, the, you'd be in the right. ICU, yeah. I yeah. mean, that, that's how Either it works. That or even, even more specifically, you know, God forbid, you know, committed suicide because people had made you think that you were crazy, right. that there yeah, was nothing right. wrong. And yeah. I will tell you that my TSH never went higher than a 4. It went to a 6 after I went on medication, but it never was higher than a 4. And I thought that I was going to hit the floor within a month 
I mean, mm-hmm. that's why I'm saying it's so important for people to understand that those ranges are so out of whack. Yeah. You know, you can't. And how many times have we all heard people who are severely depressed and totally desperate, you know, Dr. Tim especially, that that are like, my labs came out normal, and they look like they're just going to start crying right there because they're like, this means nothing's wrong. I mean, that uh, no, that means oh, they I get that even found from it. people who've been to functional medicine doctors. I I get people who have had between five and ten thousand dollars worth of lab work, and I say, well, yep. the provider or doctor who ordered these tests, you know, what was his or her analysis? And they said, oh, that he or she did, didn't really know what they meant. So. Right. You know, wow. even they don't understand the difference. A lot of functional doctors don't understand the difference between normal and optimal. And so does that kind of answer your question? Absolutely, yes. Okay, so now let's jump where you were talking about neurotransmission and mm-hmm. autoimmune and all that. Let's jump into the gut because that's an awesome – you opened the door. Let's jump into the gut and how that neurotransmission yeah. can be affected. Yeah. So how does gut health – Dr. Tim, is it okay to call you Dr. Tim, or do you prefer sure, Dr. Jackson? Sure, yeah, that's fine. I'm sorry, I should have asked that's you much fine. long ago. But, as long as you don't call um, me curse words. <laughs> <laughs> I feel very comfortable with Dr. Tim, so it just came naturally. All right, so how does gut health affect thyroid metabolism? Because, my goodness, that is such a crazy, important, under-addressed topic right there. Yeah, the first thing people want to understand, there's kind of this, you know, if you watch TV, you see Aaron Andrews saying, oh, you know, you should take this TruBiotic or whatever the probiotic is. But, you know, people kind of think that if you fix the gut, you'll fix everything. And that's simply not – that's more linear thinking that kind of carried over from allopathic medicine. It's a two-way street. So gut health affects thyroid health, and thyroid health affects gut health. It's a, mm-hmm. a bidirectional relationship. So the way that gut health affects thyroid health is that 20% of your T4, your inactive thyroid hormone, gets converted into T3, you can think of as the gas pedal for your body, in the GI tract, in the large intestines. So if you have a dysbiosis, meaning an imbalanced ratio of good to bad bacteria, or you have excess candida or protozoa or other types of infections, that can affect how much T4 goes to T3. And if it doesn't, if T4, if it doesn't go to T3, it's going to go to reverse T3. And reverse T3 is the brake pedal. It takes everything to a screeching halt. So it's, you can think of it as kind of the opposite of free T3. So that's one way. Um, the second way is that gut health, there's a direct blood supply from the large intestines to the liver called the portal vein. And if you have too many uh, bad bacteria, they release certain toxins called lipopolysaccharides that overwhelm the liver's detox pathways. And when those detox pathways are overwhelmed, the liver can't convert T4 to T3. And 60% of your T4 gets converted to T3 in the liver. So if you have a gut issue and a liver issue, you're really, you know, kind of, in trouble in terms of converting your T4 to T3. So, you know, that's another way. Um, a third way is the small intestines. You know, you guys have probably heard of small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. Uh, SIBO, um, a lot of the bacteria that cause SIBO, they can release a gas called hydrogen sulfide. And what it does is it actually lowers your body temperature and induces a state of torpor or hibernation. 
it does that by slowing down your mitochondria. So a lot of people, they may have concomitant thyroid issues and SIBO. And the reason SIBO is such an issue is because when we talk about, you know, bacteria in our digestive tract, we're 99.9% of the time referring to the large intestines or colon. The small intestines should be relatively sterile. When bacteria from the large intestines take a field trip up to the small intestines, they disrupt fat, carbohydrate, and protein metabolism. And when you do that, they ferment those nutrients, and that feeds the pathogens further worsening the problem. And if you can't absorb fat, you can't absorb fat-soluble vitamins. So then you become deficient in D, A, E, and K. Mm -hmm. And so you just went from a gut problem to a whole bunch of other hormonal A whole different, right, cascade. Right, Cascade of problems. Now, so that's kind of the bottom-up approach of how things are affected. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. So what is top... some of your favorite favorite testing? Anything that you like in particular to scream at our listeners to say, get that tested for those particular situations? I, I tell everyone. I, yeah, I work with everyone from professional athletes to I have one client who's almost 80 years old, and she's extremely sharp and you know well-versed. And I tell people no matter what your goals are, what you're working towards, or what symptoms or signs you have, a stool test, a gut test, you know, you can't go wrong with it because every nutrient in the body, with the exception of oxygen, has to come through the gut. And so if there's a malabsorption, all the cells from the top of your head and your brain to your big toe are going to be nutrient deficient. And if you're deficient in fat or you don't absorb fat very well, that affects not only your brain but your cell membranes. And if your cell membranes are affected, the cells can't talk to one another, and that um, slows down tissue and organ function. So, ah, yeah, so you see a whole cascade of events. And so as far as stool tests go, there's basically two ways you can break it down into how to test for gut pathogens. One is called a CDSA, stands for Comprehensive Digestive Stool Analysis. That's not one that I recommend. And here's the reasoning behind it, because I think I, I like to give people the reasoning because I think they're more likely to be compliant if they understand right. the why. Absolutely, so, I agree. Yeah. So with the CDSA, you know, 95 to 98% of the bacteria in our large intestines are anaerobic, meaning they can't survive in oxygen. So when we try to culture them in the lab, they die off. You kill them. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. you'll get a report back that says, oh, Tim doesn't have uh, such and such infection, but then if you run the second type of test, which is called a PCR test, it stands for polymerase chain reaction, and all that means is they use a DNA probe to go in and find the DNA of the bug. So it doesn't matter if they're alive or dead. The DNA probe will find it. And so, um, you know, I don't have connections or make money from any of these companies, but um, there's a good lab test called DRG Labs. D is in dog, red is R is in red, G is in George Labs. That one, um, you know, uses that DNA probe method. The only downside to that one is it doesn't test the levels of good bacteria. My mm-hmm. second choice for um, a test, if you can run it through your insurance, is the Metametrics, which is another lab in Georgia. Um, GI effects, E-F-F-E-C-T-S, 
Um, and in case any of the listeners or you guys want to look it up, the panel number is 2200. And so that test, it, is, it tests the levels of good bacteria and commensal bacteria. It tests for secretory IgA, which is the immune molecule that kind of protects our mucous membranes. Um, it tests for how well we're absorbing fat, if there's a lot of fat in the stool. It looks at how well your pancreas is producing digestive enzymes. Well, that sounds amazing. Yeah. I know. I'm writing all this down for me. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Yeah, the only downside. Yeah, that Metametrics merged with Genova, which is in Asheville, North Carolina, and they promised they swore up and down, you know, we won't change our stool test, we'll keep it the same. Well, what was the first thing they did, or one of the first things? They modified the test. So part of that test is PCR, meaning they use the DNA probe. The other mm-hmm. part is culture based. And almost every test result I get you know, through that company, the culture method or the page where they use the culture method is completely opposite of the DNA probe method. Mm. And so, you know, that goes to show you that the DNA probe, yeah, it, it's expensive. Like if you just bought it through me out of pocket, it's about 750 to 800 depending mm. on how many add-ons you get. However, if you have a local doctor who's seen you in person um, and they have an account with Metametrics, they can run the test through something called the Easy Pay program, which simply means that the laboratory accepts whatever the insurance, or they accept the cash price that you pay, so they don't have oh, wow. to deal with the jerk wow. at the insurance company. That sounds that, fabulous. That GIFX sounds like there is a phenomenal amount of information there mm-hmm. that that rarely ever ever gets tested in conventional medicine as I'm hitting my no, head against the drywall. No, I just had drywall. someone the other day, um, uh, a consultation with someone the other day, and her doctor said, oh, that test is completely not valid because they, what they believe is that if it's not Quest or LabCorp, then it's hocus mm-hmm. you know, which is completely bogus. Yeah, I've heard Absolutely. that about the LabCorp stuff. That's what my insurance does. So yeah. if someone were to get we could, these lab results and not have you handy, Mm-hmm. Who do you recommend to read them? Because I can go and order any blood work for myself I want. My biggest issue, especially since Virginia is a state where you can't be a licensed functional medicine physician, mm-hmm. you have to be an MD, mm-hmm. that the those few MDs who then went to be naturopathic doctors, who for the most part that's the only group I know of that will really understand this kind of amazing testing, mm-hmm. um, they they can't practice in Virginia and they can't be licensed in Virginia. So it makes it really hard mm-hmm. to find somebody, once you get this information, to know what to do with it. <laughs> to do with it. So right. Well, I wouldn't be too discouraged about the naturopathic thing, the reason being, and, you know, I piss off as many naturopaths as I do traditional allopaths. But if you go to my healyourbody.org website, my free ebook is called Beyond Green Allopathy. Green allopathy is a term that we came up with that kind of, you know, naturopaths criticized MDs for saying, oh, you just gave them 20 medications or 15 medications. Well, naturopaths, what they did is they just replaced the medications with supplements. With supplements and that's right. not oh, functional medicine. Hit a huge pet peeve of mine, Dr. Tim. Huge. Yeah. So people <laughs> always, you know, when they talk to me, they think I'm automatically against medication. I'm against the misuse of medication or the misuse of supplements. That's it's right. not, you know, that one's inherently better than the other. But, um, I mean, I'm 
in an acute situation for the first few months, especially with some of the clients with serious issues that I work with, you know, they'll be on 15 to 20 supplements. It's just the nature of the beast, you know, because they have right. so much going on. And the way I work is I layer in one supplement, usually one nutrient at a time, because if I give you a supplement that has, say, 12 different nutrients in it, and we increase the dose, and then you feel bad or have a reaction, we don't know which know one which of those nutrients. Right. And then you throw right. the baby out with the bathwater. Oh, my God, mm-hmm. Dr. Tim, love this man. I love yeah. this man. I wish you had a bullhorn. Well, you know, t- you, you asked, so how do you find someone to read it? And I wish I yeah. could give you an answer. Um, it, it, because by the time that there is, say, a certification that tells you who can do what, you know, this will be old news. So, I mean, right. you know, I don't like to toot my own horns, but I've, you know, worked to connect the dots, you know, really hard. And that's why I, you know, don't have a physical office. I work with people from all over the country, and I train some doctors, you know, who are just getting into functional medicine. Um, so, you know, I, I work with people. Uh, they send me their labs, you know, ahead of time in either a Google Drive, um, you know, folder or as PDF attachments. And uh, even with those functional labs, you still have to know how to discern optimal from normal. Right, right, right. And so, yeah, I I have a program, this is kind of an aside, but it's called your Heal Your Body program. And it includes an initial one hour to an hour and ten minute consultation, four 45-minute follow-ups, and 12 to 15 email questions. And I developed that program. I, all my colleagues and friends were pushing me to do it for several years. But what I found is when I was doing just a one-time consultation with someone, I felt like I really needed to give them their money's worth. And all that happened was I just overwhelmed them. They would leave overwhelmed because I was giving them too much information, and it was freaking them out, and then they didn't know what to do. And then there was no guarantee they were going to follow up with you. And then they would go write a review, and they would say, oh, this guy you know, doesn't know what he's talking about. But they didn't tell the whole story that I only got one lab test, and they needed four. So right. you know, that's the downside. So that program, I've gotten so much better results, such better results using that, because people, A, are accountable. B, we, any health issue that you're working with is going to be in layers. We can't just say, okay, you have 10 problems, we're going to give you 14 supplements, and you're going to start them all at once. That's not the way it works. That's <laughs> right. Right. And you'll be better in a week. Yeah. Yeah. Right, right, right. Exactly. <laughs> okay, so that's my, so true. Yeah, my motto is low and slow, and that the fastest way is oftentimes the slow way. Because I love that, low and slow. That's so southern. Low it is. Low. I is love that a flower that, field moment, Tiffany? <laughs> That's a flower field moment. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, speaking of southern accents, I, I just got a MacBook Pro, and I was trying to dictate a client's notes last night, and I guess I need a southern version because it messed up about half the words that I dictated. <laughs> well, Dr. Tim, I want to actually tell you, I've been in a and, – and I'm so glad that Melissa brought it up because let, did Dana explain to you what a flower field moment is? <laughs> what a what is? It's a, a flower, flower field, field moment, moment. and it, it's no. when Dana or I or, or Melissa has just a moment of such extraordinary resonance that we're not really sure what to say. It's just, gotcha. it's uh, absorption or, but I will tell you, honest to God, uh, Melissa, I've been in a flower field moment since he started talking because I can resonate with so many things that you're saying. You sure you know, it's not those mushrooms you took before the <laughs> conference call? Listen, you know, that's supposed I, to be our secret. That's right. <laughs> 
Well, you well, know, these are things I'm dealing with right now. My gut health has been so bad for five or six months, and I'm yeah. on a six-month antibiotic, and I don't think that that's probably going to help either. And, and guess what? This is a PSA stat. And- yeah, this is this is a stat that will kind of stagger you that I just read. I think uh, either this week or last week. Um, one round of antibiotics. I think the one the antibiotic in question or that they were discussing was um, clarithromycin will decrease the microbiome diversity for two whole years. Oh, yeah. So think about the number of kids that are born via C-section that aren't breastfed. I wasn't. I had both of those things. And the idiot pediatrician, you know, told my mom, oh, formula just uh, provides the same benefits as, uh, you know, um, breast milk. No, 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 no. Um, And so, and then you add in the antibiotics from conventionally grown meats, you add in mm-hmm. the active ingredient of Roundup, which is glyphosate. And that, everything. That, yeah, that significantly significantly decreases the microbiome diversity and artificial sweeteners. So all those things together, and that Metametrics test has a, a, a microbiome diversity scale. It doesn't give you a number. It's just you're either at the bottom or the top. And right. very few people I see are at the top. Wow. Now, I would, always, I would also think that that would help um, you tailor uh, probiotic because a lot of people think probiotics are one across yep. the board, and oh, no, <laughs> no they're yep. not. <laughs> yep, so, so you that, know more than most functional medicine doctors because, and the reason <laughs> I know is because I did it myself. You know, I pounded for years lact, um, culturel, lactobacillus acidophilus, mm-hmm. you know, day and night, and then I did my metametrics test, and I had an overgrowth of lactobacillus. And when you have that, it produces D-lactate, which causes brain fog, and it inhibits your mitochondrial energy production. Yep, and so that would be beneficial for someone like that. Oh, probiotics are so important that they are tailored to the person. It's not a one across the board, hey, go grab a probiotic, it'll be good for you. Oh, no, no, it won't. It makes some people very sick. And one point I want to make, too, is that, you know, people are always like, oh, if you have leaky gut, you take probiotics. Well, think about it this way. If you cut your forearm, are you going to pour bacteria into your arm? Probably not. Right. So if you have a leaky leaky gut, I mean, it's just these, again, I'll go back. I'll say her name, Erin Andrews. You know, I always see that commercial with her. Take probiotics, take probiotics. Well, if you have a leaky gut and you take it, guess what? It's going to cause a massive immune slash inflammatory reaction, and it can even result in autoimmunity. So, That's no, right. you need to heal the gut. Say that again. First. Dr. Tim, can yeah. the wrong probiotic actually trigger autoimmunity? The wrong probiotic can trigger autoimmunity, and there Saccharomyces boulardii can also do it, which is a beneficial yeast. Yep. Oh, and my gosh. So <laughs> on that metametrics test, it also shows your level of bifidobacteria. And so, you know, if you're low, you can supplement. But at the end of the day, depending on which researchers you read or which papers you read or articles, um, in a a healthy gut or an optimally healthy gut, there should be about 22,000 species of bacteria, of good bacteria. So when we take a probiotic that has, say, even something like Prescriptacyst, which has 29 species, it's like pouring a few drops of water in the ocean. So I've moved more towards, um, and I don't have any financial connection to this product, it's called Restore. Uh, The website is Restore for Life. And uh, it's an MD who came up with it, and he kind of has the same philosophy that I do, that, 
you know, taking good bacteria can be a good thing, but taking them for too long can create more of a problem because it crowds out other healthy bacteria. Absolutely. So the product Restore is not a probiotic. It's a, what's called a lignite extract, and I forget which plant it comes from. But what it does, it, serves, it works on two different levels. It repairs the microvilli, those little mountainous yeah. hills in the uh, small intestines. And mm-hmm. it Responsible serves so a, people know? What are the microvilli what, responsible for? Nutrient absorption nutrient and absorption. dispersion? So, and, yeah. So when yeah, you so, see, but just so the listeners know what the microvilli have, why that is so critically important in a celiac, they actually get damaged. So right. when those are gone, you're in deep, deep trouble. Yeah, so when you read that quote that, you know, the intestine, the small intestines are the size of a tennis court, that's what gives them their surface area or those mountainous hills. Um, and you right. want to have optimal surface area because that increases your chances of nutrient absorption. And so gluten, dairy, any food sensitivity, stress, they can all decrease the width and the height of those microvilli which impairs your ability to absorb macronutrients, carbs, fats, and proteins, and micronutrients, vitamins and minerals. Mm, wow. And so, so um, yeah, those are important. And then the second way that Restore works is it serves as a fuel source for uh, both commensal bacteria and good bacteria. And uh, so instead of, you know, crowding out other beneficial bacteria, it basically is trying to inc- yeah, it's trying to increase the diversity, and so um, I've been using that to help not only heal the gut, but in lieu of you know constantly having people on probiotics. Wow. And how do you feel about uh, vitamin D levels, uh, Dr. Tim? I know that's not um, yeah. on your list of things to talk about, but how do you feel about vitamin D levels and and well, gut you health? Need to how check- important is that? Most people just check the 25-hydroxy or the 25-OH vitamin D, but you need to check the 25-hydroxy and the 1,25-hydroxy. Those are important. Yeah, the 1,25-OH or hydroxy vitamin D is the active form. Sometimes what will happen is the 25-hydroxy will be low, but it's because the body is over-converting it into 1,25-hydroxy. And you see high 125-hydroxy vitamin D in a lot of inflammatory and neuroimmune disorders. Wow. And so if you give too much vitamin D to those people, they will feel worse typically. And that does happen. It can also cause bone joint pain and all kinds of stuff. And people are like, but I'm taking, you know, 100,000 IUs. You're like, oh, my God. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, obviously that's a joke. I mean, mean, if if you're having to take that much, that should tell you, you know, it's an absorption issue. Um, uh, Can excessive amounts of or improper, I shouldn't just say excessive, but improper amounts of vitamin D also cause quite a bit of problems for uh, people with, active Epstein-Barr titers and things like that as well, correct? It can, um, and people with Lyme as well. What happens is the vitamin D receptor, um, I forget the exact number of genes, but let's just say it's a lot of them, that when vitamin D binds to it, you know, it activates all these different genes, and that is how the the Epstein-Barr plays into it. Sometimes, I mean, you can't really tell, 
Um, and I don't really know of any tests that tell whether it's kind of a die-off reaction because you've, you know, optimized your vitamin D or if it's an adverse reaction to vitamin D because you're creating more inflammation. Interesting. That's oh, wow. a really good point. And the other That's thing really is that point. most of us, you know, the most common mineral deficiency is magnesium. And it, when you take vitamin D, you know, you increase calcium absorption, and that further um, changes the calcium to magnesium ratio. So magnesium, you need to make sure you're on a, a hefty dose of magnesium if you're going to be taking vitamin D. You're taking high dose, yep. Mm. A lot of people don't know that. They don't know that magnesium no, is so important. Yeah, no, yeah, very exactly. important. And that's why you see studies, you know, in the newspaper say, oh, like the one that they did on vitamin E. Vitamin E causes cancer or heart attack. What they didn't tell you was that there's eight forms of vitamin E, and they only tested one. And so, of course, if you give someone massive doses of one form when there should be eight, of course they're going to have issues. And right. so, but that's what, Yeah, that's the right. sound bite you hear, and that's what, you know, that people get when they turn on the 6 o'clock news. And you mean the 30-second snippet from Dr. Oz? Oh, my God, I need a hotline to that man. I oh, swear I mean, we have a local news reporter here who calls creatine a, an anabolic steroid. I said, um, apparently you've never eaten meat because creatine is in meat. So I guess you're saying meat is an anabolic steroid. Wow. But, yeah, I mean, it, it's just amazing. You know, and all the, the witch hunts against, you know, people like Peyton Manning using HGH, people – I get even my clients that are well versed. They think HGH is the devil and it's going to cause cancer. It's the if you misuse anything, I mean, eat supplements, uh, hormones, medications, it can cause problems. But HGH so is extremely important for healing, um, not only your musculoskeletal system, but for sleep quality, brain health, energy, uh, immune function, all those things. And so, you know, we need to try and optimize. The body can be in one of three states, on the anabolic state where it's healing and repairing, which takes place you know, while you're sleeping, for example, homeostasis, which is balance, and that's what we're always aiming for, or a catabolic state, which is breaking down tissue. And you don't want to be in a catabolic state. So when you see people, you know, like some of the CrossFit gyms, they'll work out their clients so hard growing up afterwards. Well, that's counterproductive because you're putting that person in a catabolic state and they're just eating up their muscle tissue. Yep. And so, you know, a lot of the things I say go against even what the naturopathic and functional medicine community say. But if you stop and think about it and, you know, you stop just repeating what other people say, you know, you'll realize that there's more to it. My gosh, I think we should do like a lineup of shows with you yeah. where we can take apart different subject matters because we could talk forever, forever on so many things that you've you know brought up and discussed. And, oh, my gosh, they're so important. But yeah. we want to cover, we want to pick your brain. We're doing a, a broad scale, Dr. Tim, right now because we want to hit on, you know, sure. multiple subjects that you're doing. So let's talk about a comprehensive thyroid Panel. What does that consist of in, in, as far as Dr. Tim's thorough thyroid panel for our listeners? Hang on one second. Let me grab a sip of something to drink. I, I'm just sitting here absorbing I apologize. This. It's amazing. No, no problem. I was just thinking, you know, we never, you know, we never really, gosh, you know, remind people to, to grab. I have my, 
a couple inhalers here and some water and we oh, have I was to taking a handful of supplements like as well. <laughs> a few yeah, I carry my book bag everywhere I go, and, and people are like, "Oh, well, why are you carrying a book bag? Aren't you done with school?" So I open it up, <laughs> and there's you know like nine or ten bottles of different supplements. You know, not all of them I take every day, but a comprehensive thyroid panel. So if you ask a traditional, and, and this is kind of or it's actually very ironic. If you have a hormone problem, the last person you want to see is an endocrinologist. Because I'll tell you right ahead that the only thing they do is pass out diabetes drugs. I mean, literally, that's all they do. There's, you know, one out of maybe 100, you know, actually knows the stuff that we're talking about. So uh, a comprehensive thyroid panel to regular medicine is TSH. And if you're really, really lucky, a T4, either total T4 or free T4. But my comprehensive thyroid panel is TSH, total T4, free T4, total T3, free T3, reverse T3, antithyroglobulin antibodies, TPO antibodies, and then these last couple, I don't always order, but they're kind of nice to have but not must-haves, and that's um, T3 uptake, and another, the last marker is TBG thyroid binding globulin. That's the transport protein that moves thyroid hormone throughout the body. And now, so, tell us a, oh, sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. No, no, I want to catch up. Go ahead. You sound like yes, you're going so, somewhere. For example, so with T4, let's, you know, kind of just to remind the listeners, T4, when the thyroid gland makes thyroid hormone, 95% is T4, 5% is T3. So if you're a poor converter, you know, that's going to be a problem. So T4 can either go to T3, which is, again, like the gas pedal for your body, uh, um, free T3, that is, or reverse T3, which is like the brake pedal. So anytime your body is under any type of stressor, it can be a surgery, it can be a GI infection, it can be job stress, your body increases reverse T3 in an effort to try and slow you down and make you conserve energy. So you can have um, – the reason it's important to look at all those markers is because you can have a really good level of free T3. It can be in the top 20% or even the top 10%. But if your reverse T3 is also pretty high, it's going to inhibit that free T3 from working optimally. They cancel each other out almost. Exactly, exactly. And when you look at – you, let's say you have a great TSH, great free and total T4 – a great total and free T3, a great reverse T3, but you have thyroid antibodies. That can negate the the prior or previous optimal markers. And, you know, though technically that's an immune system issue attacking the thyroid gland, um, but, you know, and that gets into some infections, two of the most common being Epstein-Barr virus, and another one is called Yersinia. It's a bacteria sometimes found in the gut. Those two, through a process called molecular mimicry, which basically just means it tricks the immune system, um, will lead to the development of thyroid antibodies. And if you look at lab um, ranges and lab results, they'll have, you know, say, 0 to 40, or less than 40 is normal. But if you think about what we're measuring, we're measuring the immune system's assault on the thyroid gland. So it should be zero or as close Thank to zero as possible. Thank you. Oh, my goodness. 
so my daughter is my daughter is having severe yeah. anxiety, and she's yeah. registering at a seven, and she's only six years old. Yeah, and they're so like, I oh, really she's don't fine. Give and I'm like, why is she registering seven if she's fine? Yeah, she's not fine. Exactly. So that you know, the term is called allostatic load, and it's the kind of the summary or summation of your, all your internal stressors and all your external stressors. And, you know, excuse my language, but I really don't give a rat's ass what the lab's <laughs> reference ranges say. You know, you have to stop and use uh, common sense. I tell people if they have the luxury of two brain cells holding hands, they'll realize that the thyroid sh- or the immune system should not be attacking your thyroid gland. Why would For that be normal? For any reason. What's right. that? For any yeah. reason. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh. And so a lot of times in my clients, addressing those infections will bring um, the numbers down. A lot of times if someone's eating gluten and they go gluten-free, that'll bring them down. Um, the medication, low-dose naltrexone, um, will help bring them down. Um, you know, several different things. One thing that, you know, it's, it's connected but it's kind of on the side, but uh, the, this could be a whole different show, methylation. <laughs> which is just the path, you know. You know, I wanted to ask you that, but we do. We need to make a whole methylation Dr. Tim show because that is such an enormous subject. Oh, my goodness. So if you don't mind, I'll just mention two quick facts or a couple quick facts. Okay, you bet. With methylation, it's actually not just one reaction. It's 100 reactions that take place in almost every cell of the body, and it impacts everything from neurotransmitter production, so it affects mood and concentration, to glutathione production, which is the most powerful antioxidant and detoxifying molecule we have, to uh, myelin production, which is the fatty coating around our nerves, to the ability to control oxidative stress, to mitochondrial health, so your levels of carnitine and CoQ10 are affected. And one other thing that's directly related to the thyroid is that you have to have enough methyl donors like methylfolate and or methyl B12, to be able to convert T4 to T3. And that's something that I learned from Dr. Kendall Stewart, who uh, you know, is located in Austin, Texas, but he founded a company called Neurobiologics with an IX, um, and, and they have lots of great products. But one thing they kind of specialize in are transdermal creams. So they have about seven to nine different um, nutrient creams that you can apply to the forearms or behind the knees, you know, which is really neat um, because you're bypassing the gut and the liver, especially people with compromised guts and livers. Um, and it's really good for kids as well because, you know, a lot of times they don't want to swallow um, mm. capsules. But I bring that company awesome. up because they, they have really good quality products um, if anyone ever happens to order from them, they can use my code TWJ81. It'll give you a small discount. But um, you know, I don't have any financial connection to them. I just like to mention labs and, and supplement companies and things like that that uh, I think people will benefit from. And they yeah. specialize in transdermal applications. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, they have uh, pretty much that everything. That can also be very beneficial for Alzheimer's and mm-hmm. severe progressive disorders, I would think, because they have such a hard time uh, swallowing pills. And things yeah, like and that. here's a, a quote from Dr. Stewart that will really kind of make you sit back and think. But if MTHFR, the genetic polymorphism, which you know we'll cover more later, if that gets turned on early in life, 
you get autism or autism spectrum disorders. If it gets turned on later in life, you get Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, MS, things like that. So it's really just the expression of these polymorphisms because these polymorphisms have been around for hundreds or thousands of years. Mm-hmm. It's the environmental stressors that are turning them on. We're up in the ante. Mm-hmm. And what we yeah. found is that what our grandparents did, actually up to four generations before us, uh, will affect our genetic expression. And we would wow. expect some kind of uh, MTHFR gene variant in anybody that has a family history of mental illness, correct? Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's many different uh, forms of MTHFR. The two most popular are MTHFR C677, and that one is typically related to elevated homocysteine, which can lead to uh, stroke or heart attack or adverse cardiovascular events. The second most popular MTHFR A1298C, that one's more connected to neuroimmune illnesses and autoimmune illnesses. Interesting. Uh, That is such a huge topic. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. It is. I mean, it's just, it's it's overwhelming, I think, even for people who have just even a tiny grasp on it. It's it's just such an enormous... uh, Yeah, and it is. But I tell people, you know, a lot of people think, oh, okay, you know, I'm going to do my 23 and me, and if I have him teach far, I'm going to think methylfolate and B12, and then I'll be done with it. But again, this gets into why I developed my program. You have to layer things in. It's all about the right supplement at the right time right. and the right dose. Because a lot of people right can order. feel very ill, right, Dr. Right. Tim, when they, when they think that's the deal. Okay, so I have the MTHFR. Mm-hmm. I just take the proper... Uh, you know, folate and this, and I'll feel well. And a lot of people feel extremely ill. So, like, oh my God, what's happening? And one of the reasons, I mean, there's multiple reasons that can happen, but one of the primary ones is if you have a lot of oxidative stress, which, you know, the majority of people do today, right. uh, and you take B12 and methylfolate, it creates a compound called peroxynitrite, which is damaging to cell membranes and other cellular components. So you're actually hurting yourself. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're creating more it inflammation. It has to be done fairly slow, right, depending. I mean, I mean that's yeah. where a functional professional that's trained in MTHFR is so important because they understand all that and they can help you do it slowly and cover all the other, you know, mm-hmm. bases and everything. It's so important. And you guess can't what just the get first that step, test run. Yeah, guess what the first step to healing methylation is? Healing the gut. Because <laughs> if gut, the large intestines is where you don't hear about this very much. It's called phase three detox. Um, moat, C-moat, oat, those are transporters that take toxins out of the body, especially metals. But, um, you know, if you can calm down any dysbiosis or malabsorption or inflammation in the gut, that takes the stress off the liver. And methylation is part of phase two detox in the liver. So you've already kind of relieved some stress on the liver just by doing that. Oh, my goodness. Wow. I know we don't have too much time left, but being as though you covered how important, you know, just even Candida was with yourself, can we mm-hmm. top, just touch, I mean, I can't say touch quickly because there's no such thing, but why the adrenals have to be addressed at the same time with the thyroid and, and hormones? Well, the way so I approach the adrenal, yeah, sorry, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, no. I, I unfortunately, I'm the queen of interruptions. So I just, it's, it's a, it's a, a, an apology that covers it all. <laughs> yeah. So I'm sorry. What was the last part of your question? You cut out a little bit. Well, 
Uh, yeah, no, the phone is cutting out a little bit. I don't know if it is too for you, Melissa. Um, yeah, but uh, it does. Okay, so the question is, we you've covered so much information, and oh my gosh, mm-hmm. like I said, we could dive into multiple shows on yeah. all of this fabulous information that that, and you brought up so many things that hardly anyone ever brings up, which I love. That's so, the thing. If wanna, there's one thing that I hear from my clients over and over, and this isn't to toot my own horn, but it's I'm the most thorough person they've ever met. Toot it. But it pays off. It's worth well. Yeah, I need an ooga ooga horn. <laughs> I always tell people, proof's in the pudding. It's either in the pudding or it's not. If it's not, then it's right. not. <laughs> right. So, do it. Do it. We need to give you a bullhorn. Okay, so would love to just touch, because you've touched on so many mm-hmm. things that, that are so important to cover with thyroid health. Mm-hmm. The adrenals being uh, such a key uh, factor that never, yeah. like you said, it's either Addison's or Cushing's or doesn't in- exist in conventional mm-hmm. medicine. So tell the listeners why the adrenals have to be addressed at the same time with the thyroid and, and other hormones as well. Dr. Tim's take on that. Well, if they listen to any of the other interviews and articles and things I've written or read my ebook, and I also have a paper somewhere online called My Approach to Restoring Homeostasis. It kind of describes all this, but the adrenals are never the problem. The adrenals simply react to any type of stressor or perceived stressor. That can be emotional or spiritual or mental, or it can be physical, like a gut infection, um, trauma, say you fall and break your arm. So any of those things, anything basically that creates inflammation will activate the hypothalamus, pituitary adrenal axis. So I will do adrenal stress index tests, which measure cortisol four different times during the day and DHEA either one or two times during the day to see how much support the adrenal glands need in the first four to six months that I'm working with someone. But long-term, our goal has to be to locate and eradicate the stressors that are activating the adrenals to begin with. Because I can give you tons of rhodiola, tons of DHEA, tons of pregnenolone, tons of ashwagandha, but it's just ma- it's green allopathy. It's just covering the up band-aid. the sign. Yeah. Right, band-aid. So uh, the adrenals, the reason they need to be supported is that the adrenals work hand-in-hand hand with the thyroid gland. So when the adrenals are not optimal, it can slow down body temperature. And guess what happens when you slow down body temperature? You, your enzyme function decreases. So if your body temperature goes from 98.6 degrees Fahrenheit to 98, you have a concomitant decrease in immune function by roughly 36%. So you can see how important body temperature is um, with uh, all of this. And so all the biochemical reactions in your body slow down when your body temperature goes down. And so when people do things like far infrared saunas, yes, they are detoxing and they feel better from that, but they're also turning their enzymes back on. And that's another reason they feel so good. And And that can also be problematic for some people, though, right? Yeah, if the adrenals aren't supported appropriately and the uh, electrolytes aren't supported appropriately and optimally, that it can cause you to crash. Yeah. Right. Right. So you, you know you and have that to, might be the reason why people would think that an infrared sauna is not so good. Right, right. You know, either but in that, reality they're just over pushing it, or exactly. they're not having bowel movements regularly. You know, because you're stirring up toxins with the infrared waves. Um, you know, those fat soluble toxins. One theory behind uh, why some people have low body temperature is that 
if the body had a norm or 98.6 regular body temperature or optimal body temperature, it would mobilize those fat-soluble toxins, putting your internal organs at risk. So as a self-protective mechanism, your body lowers its temperature and slows down its basal metabolic rate. But That's a any, brilliant design, right? Yeah, and the adrenals, I, when I order an adrenal test, I order a thyroid test right with it because I want to look at them side by side because, and I don't think we got into this, but too much or too little cortisol blocks the conversion of T4 to T3. Mm-hmm. So too little cortisol is, I would say, it's probably worse than having too much cortisol because it's very easy to lower cortisol. To raise it, it's a little bit harder, and you have to really work on all those stressors. Well, don't I wish Dana was on this show for that one. (laughs) I've I've offered to work with her, and she tells me she doesn't want to do the testing. So you two are in charge of of getting her to do the testing. I am going to make her go because she is is fighting an uphill battle, honest Mm -hmm. to God, I tell you. And you can, because for some reason, people don't, they're like, oh, cortisol, yeah, it's just stress. And you know what I mean? They think it's yep. more controllable, I think, almost. Mm-hmm. And you're like, well, no. it doesn't affect that much. Right. Right. Yeah, and cortisol. Right. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, it, too much cortisol for too long or too, too much of an extended period of time, it damages the hippocampus, which is responsible for memory. It shrinks the thymus gland, which is responsible for immune function. Uh, it, in men, it lowers testosterone. So the little phrase I give my male clients is, you can't have an erection while you're running from a tiger. Right. <laughs> and that's so important. Yeah, and that's why so many people have low libidos, because they have all these stressors. And when I say stress, they think, oh, job stress. But they don't think viruses, uh, heavy metals, right. toxicity. Physical. Infection. Yeah, exactly. Well, they also right. don't think the stress on your body is no matter what, right. whether you're being chased by a tiger or you have a paper due that if you don't turn it in, you don't get to graduate, right. your, your body is going to do chemically the bet, same anything. thing. Right. right. It, so your body true. responds the exact same way. It only has one response, so it's doing the same amount of damage. Exactly. That's they exactly think, how oh, this is one kind of stress versus that kind of stress. No, stress is stress. Your body doesn't sit there and, and right. debate it like our minds do. So, right. But nobody's exactly. going to be making money on pharmaceuticals, guys, if we tell them that the low testosterone and everybody's lack of libido is because their life is just too wound up like a tennis ball. You know yeah, I mean? and I, I'll give you an <laughs> example of money. a client. I had a female client who was 38, I think she was 38 or 39. She was on 200 milligrams a day of progesterone, but her levels were still in the bottom of the range. The reason oh being, God. you guys have probably heard of pregnenolone steel. Well, females can have progesterone steel where your body does not keep progesterone as progesterone. It changes it into cortisol. And and as long as she kept those stressors there, she had a lot of viruses and gut infections and metals, then her progesterone was getting converted to cortisol because without cortisol, you'll die within a couple hours. Without your sex hormones, you won't feel well, but you won't die. You can't make babies. Right. Okay. It's kind of like iron. When iron gets low, it starts to yeah. pull from all kinds of things just to support the support, you know, organs and life force. I mean, yeah. our bodies are so they're just I mean, I swear every day I have more and more of an appreciation for the design. It's phenomenal what it does yeah. on purpose despite us, right? And it's I like, tell oh, libido, yeah. tell people that <laughs> libido is one of the best medical tests you can do. Because nature only wants to create things that are more beautiful and that are strong and potent. 
Nature does not want to recreate things that are weak or deteriorate. Or ill or can't maintain. Right. You know what, and no one wants to hear that, Dr. Tim, but I swear to you that is a profound statement. Here's another one for you that will throw you for a quick loop. Uh, If you have, you know, the gram-negative bacteria I mentioned earlier, if you have too many of those in the large intestines, they release lipopolysaccharides, which in studies, if they want to inflame rats or monkeys, that's what they inject them with. Those lipopolysaccharides, if a pregnant mother has too many of them, they get into the brain of the fetus and they deplete the brain's glutathione levels, which significantly, I don't remember the exact number, but significantly increases their risk of developing autism or autism spectrum disorders. I have actually heard that. Dr. Detis Karazan's book, he was talking about, because my kids have some issues that I have a feeling were due to my body robbing from the fetus. Mm-hmm. And I've had so many doctors tell me that that's baloney, that baby always gets what baby wants. And I'm like, if mommy's dead, baby doesn't get anything. They so, did a study on... Right, right, right. It's so true. Yeah. That's what's what happened to my kidneys with my mother, not having enough thyroid hormone. They say that the baby takes it first. I don't agree with that. I really, really don't. I think it takes the majority, but I think there's massive consequence to to both mother and child. I don't think it just automatically oh, goes yeah. to the baby first. And I yeah. work with a lot of women who are, you know, TTC or trying to conceive, and they're like, oh, I've got to get pregnant now, I've got to get pregnant now, i got to get pregnant now. I'm like, but if you don't get your body well first, you're like, exactly. wait. You're going to spend 10 or 20 years trying to help your child heal. There and should be a full prenatal, you know, protocol for people who are trying to get, like the minute you decide you're trying to get pregnant, that you're just Before you're like Before NCO, do you guys remember NCO's Optimal right. Living Academy? No, I no, don't. I've heard of that. Uh, yeah. It's closed down now, um, but it has a sister okay. site, which I forget. But it basically did, uh, you know, 30-minute to one-hour classes, and Mark Hyman was a professor, and I just oh. joined oh, wow. as a professor in the right before they closed. But the only class I was able to teach was how to design a scientifically sound and systematic detoxification program prior to Prior pregnancy. to because they oh, did a study. Oh, you know how important uh, that is? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they did Gee, a study, and I think they either looked at eight or nine cities, and they looked at the contents of the baby's umbilical cords, and the average baby had between 200 and 250 known carcinogens. That's oh, just carcinogens. Gosh. That's not metals. Wow. That's not um, plastics or anything like that. Wow. That's another show. That's another <laughs> show, know. yeah. Right, isn't that, wouldn't that be the most important show we ever did in our life? I have four children, and I'm entirely blessed because I was always told I could never get pregnant, and I, mm-hmm. I, my children are miracles for me, mm-hmm. and yeah. I'm so grateful every day for as healthy as they are, And mm-hmm. but to me, that's the most important show we could ever do is prenatal. I have people ask me all the time, well, don't you want more kids? And I'm like, my body can't do it, and mm-hmm. I've got kids, I have two that are, you know, dealing with apraxia of speech and severe anxiety that's causing actual um, fevers and illness. So that tells me that that apraxia, sorry I cut you off again, but that apraxia is probably um, pathogen related. Certain viruses are what's called neurotropic viruses, meaning they like to live in the brain and in the nervous system. And they turn on a type of cell called a microglial cell or microglia. Those are the resident white blood cells in the brain. They 
if it's if they're turned on and turned right back off, it's fine. But when they're turned on and left on, it causes the, uh, certain neurons to produce pro-inflammatory compounds called cytokines, pro-inflammatory cytokines, yes. and that leads to brain fog, sensory integration issues, concentration issues. Those cytokines are what you feel when you have the flu or a cold. You're not actually feeling the pathogen. You're feeling the pro-inflammatory cytokines from the immune system. So, you know, with the fever going along with it, I mean, it's very common. Uh, I don't know. Are you guys familiar with PANDAS? Say it again. With PANDAS? I've heard of it. Yeah, it stands for Pediatric Autoimmune Neurodevelopmental Disorder Associated with Streptococcus. So it's a strep infection of the brain. But if oh, you wow. look, like you can Google it online, and they they have pictures that kids colored before they had pandas, and then while they had pandas, and it's like two different kids, because it affects uh, if your sensory integration is impacted, then your motor output is going to be impacted. Oh my gosh! So I've got to throw two cents in here. Uh, so I wonder if inhalation of certain essential oils that work. Uh, able to work against strep would actually be helpful with that because it crosses the blood-brain barrier. I imagine that's very difficult to treat. Yeah, pandas, I mean, typically uh, there's a couple treatments. Sometimes it's all antibiotics, but a lot of docs, you know, are leaning away from that because it right. you know, messes up the gut. The other choice is IM antibiotics, but, you know, most kids don't want an intramuscular shot. Right. No, my God, no. The third wow. uh, way to treat is intravenous immunoglobulins, but the insurance companies, they're so, so sketchy what they do. But, um, but they're certainly you know, not going to you know, yeah, approve they don't, anything they like that. They usually don't approve yeah. IVIG, which um, they take the immunoglobulins from, I think, a, hun- a couple hundred people, maybe even a thousand people. Um, and it, out of pocket, it's prohibitively expensive. It's like six grand an IV. But um, what they do, what the insurance companies do or they're doing now is, you know, let's say your son tested low according to the lab ranges. They may write you a letter, your insurance company, and say, okay, he tested low based on the lab's reference ranges, but we came up with our own reference ranges. And I'm saying, so you mean to tell me some paper pusher at Blue Cross Blue Shield or at <laughs> Healthcare just randomly pulled out show, of his Dr. butt? Kim. Yeah. <laughs> You know, these ranges. I mean, like, where yeah. does this stuff come from? Yep. That's a, that a my God, that's a whole other show, insurance yeah. and what they approve and don't approve. And, and, you know, that's a whole, unfortunately, financial, financial pharmacological, it reminds me of like a big boys club. We're well, scratch what, what's back, so frustrating? Ours, but we're not making anybody well. You know, it's yeah. What's sad. so frustrating is that if they would just sit back and think about it, they would save millions or billions if they paid for the stuff that worked. Right. And, and preemptively, so that the problem doesn't just go on and on and on and on and on. Oh yeah. What insurance calls um, preventative care is really early detection. So if you find a tumor yeah. in a woman's breast, that's not preventative care. That's early detection. Right. 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 So, oh my goodness! I do yeah. not want to wrap up. We, I do not. I honestly, this is. One I can talk. Times I do not want to let hours. you go. <laughs> oh well, my I've gosh. had a, a blast talking to you, ladies. Where, where are you, ladies, located? You said Virginia, I'm in Virginia. And, and I'm both in are in Virginia. I'm in California, so you need to. We need to. We need to sit and have some good, healthy lunch when you get out west. 
I, you know, I've been out, out of the west. country yeah. several times, but I've never been west of the Mississippi River. Are you kidding me? No, oh, but I have on. plans to you go to Arizona in a couple California. months. You need to yeah. come out this way. So you're going to Arizona? Yeah, going to Arizona. I have a friend out there. Um, and I actually, I had a, a phone conference with an immunologist yesterday. She, uh, her practice is mostly virtual, and she kind of just connects and introduces parents of kids with autism to, you know, what resources to look into and different avenues to pursue. But she doesn't do any of the stuff that I do, so she wants to refer them to me. Right. And, um, you know, so she's in Arizona, and I have another friend who's a naturopath in Arizona. So I'll probably go and, and visit both of them. Wow. I need so awesome Arizona. Dr. <laughs> yeah. Dr. Tim, you come out this way, you let me know when I'm taking you to lunch because this was honestly one of my favorite shows and I wish I'm gonna yeah. tell Dana, you need to schedule that man for a series. <laughs> That's right, and make sure she does her test. I'm gonna send her your way and I'm not kidding. That's uh, that's something you know. She's a very dear dear person and friend to me, and I will tell you, she needs to address the adrenals. It's very important. So feel tell free. you a hacker computer if she doesn't. I will pay you to hound her. <laughs> there I you will go. Pay you to hound her. <laughs> there you go. Well, there one we last go. thing I'll mention before we go, and you, I'm sure m- many of your other guests have mentioned this, but there's a direct correlation between even subclinical hypothyroidism in the mother and mental retardation in the child. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yes. I, so that's why. that just came popped in my mind randomly, but I thought I'd. I'm telling you, we're going to do a prenatal show. We really Dr. do, Tim. and you know, ramping it up for a healthy baby. We need yeah. one like that, and we need the gut, more gut stuff too, man. We need let's a whole do show it, and let's see. We're going to do a methylation program. Yeah. <laughs> well, when I get a, a more female clients who come to me in a panic because they're 37 and they got to get pregnant like next week. I'm going to send to you guys, you can say, just give Dr. Tim 6 to 12 months to work with you, and it will pay dividends. Because it saves you going every day to the doctors and trying to get your kids to be able to just function at the ability you know they can because they can't get it out of their mouth or they're not walking at two years old or their anxiety is so bad they're terrified to change desks at school and they're only a first grader, so... Yeah, yeah, I mean, people forget, and I, you guys have probably covered this statistic, but we spend more per capita on health care than any other country by far. Britain's a distant second, yet the highest we rank in any health category, the last time I looked, was 11th, and the lowest that was 36th. That is embarrassing. Yeah. That's embarrassing and horrifying and should scare the living daylights out of out of everybody. It is. It's crazy. It's crazy. Well, we but, need to know where to find you. Where, where yeah, can you I tell us where we can find you. Find you. Well, and I'll can give they you my also schedule direct... a consult with you over yeah, the phone? I'll give you Tell my us how they key. can also get an appointment. Yeah, so they can email me directly. It's all lowercase, D-R-T-I-M, so Dr. Tim, and then the number 072981. So it's D-R-T-I-M, 072981, at gmail.com. My website is healyourbody.org, not .com, but .org. Um, and you can also look up Dr. Tim Jackson on Facebook and like my professional page where I share health information a few times a week. Awesome. awesome. That is fantastic. Well, enjoy your Sunday. Thank you so very, very much for being with us. Feel free to, to pester Dana on her adrenal glands, and we look forward 
to having you back again several times. Thank you so much. Well, I enjoyed chatting with you, ladies. I can tell you're very well-versed, so it made the interviews go smoothly. Awesome. Thank you so much, and enjoy your... Enjoy your Sunday, and you you contact me, please, when you come out west. Oh, I definitely will. We'll go get some bulletproof coffee. Awesome. (laughs) Awesome. That's another another show. I'm all for that. You bet. That's right. All right, Dr. Tim, thank you so much. All right, you ladies have a good rest of your weekend. You You too. too. Thank you. Take care. Look forward to talking to you again. Yeah, thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye now. Oh, my gosh. That man was amazing. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> amazing, amazing. I can't believe it. Okay, so we're going to have to run through this real quick. Next week, leading functional yes. medicine expert and practitioner, Dr. Will Cole, drwillcole.com, joins us. Very cool. Noted health expert for Mind Body Green and a national functional medicine speaker. So cool. Yes, and, and as always, a very big thank you to our listeners. Please share your thyroid survivor journeys with us at thyroidnation.com. Whether you're healed or not, it's the journey that counts. And it can often help others who feel not as alone, or so they feel not as alone. And we, uh, as we offer a light to the path of their own journey. So important. Reading those are just, they can be so helpful. Also, be sure to check out our new skin and thyroid care line, Thyroid Nation Essentials at thyroidnation.com. Dana and I created this with love and light for all thyroid thrivers to provide clean, synthetic, free, fabulously simple, beneficial skin care that is tailored with essential oils specifically to help with issues known to thyroid patients. Enjoy products like Brain Awake, Mist Me, Call Me Pretty, their complexion mist, love potion, counting sheep, massage oils, a roll-on for the thyroid and thymus called Speak Your Truth. Just wonderful, beneficial, supportive, botanical mists. And, of course, our Flower Field Moments, our signature Thyroid Nation Radio, which is one of my personal favorites. Um, but make I sure to check them out. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> They're fabulous. Um, make sure to follow Thyroid Nation at thyroidnation.com, on Facebook at Thyroid Nation, as well as in the Hashi and Grace Facebook support group, which I'm a part of, Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope, and turn in, tune in weekly to Thyroid Nation Radio right here on Sundays. Awesome. We want to remind you all that wellness is a journey and takes continual maintenance and evaluation. Make sure to always listen to your own body and be mindful of what it is telling you. This is Tiffany Mladenich of GratefulGarden.biz. And this is Melissa Phipps from Exposing Silver. Bringing the collective voice of thyroid thrivers worldwide so that together, united, we heal. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Have a good day. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.